Amen. Well, welcome to the, uh, uh, the final week in our series, 2020 Vision. It's a series about, uh, about visual acuity. It's about seeing things clearly in regards to six of the most important areas of our life. And so far, we've talked about seeing Jesus for who he really is, seeing the church as the hope of the world, seeing your relationships as an opportunity, seeing yourself through the eyes of God, and seeing your work as a, as a mission, seeing your work as a higher calling where you answer your call of the great commission, the call of the great commandment, and the call of the creation mandate. So uh, were you nicer this week at work? Were you nicer? And do you remember what those five letters stand for? or five truths that we saw in Daniel's life. Nicer, N-I-C-E-R. The N stands for no compromise on foundational issues. The I stands for being a person of integrity. Uh, The C stands for having compassion on other people at your workplace. The E stands for excellence in your work. And the R stands for remember whose you are. Remember whose you are, that you're a child, that you're a servant of the one true sovereign God who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and who is always in control of those who are in control. Amen? Amen. And, and here's the deal. This is like real and it's serious. I'm not making it up. That, you know, the things we've been talking about and what we're going to talk about today, that if you live them out, right? If you improve your vision in regards to them, it will have a dramatic and positive effect on your life. It will affect your relationships. It'll affect how you see yourself. It'll affect yourself at work. It'll affect how you see the church, right? It'll have a massive difference. Does anyone out there this morning disagree with that statement? That's what I thought. But listen, simply knowing and agreeing with biblical truth is not enough, right? Instead, doing is required, right? James, the half-brother Jesus, put it this way, right? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Deceive who? Deceive yourself by merely listening to the word, right? You know, I'm afraid that there are a lot of people who are professional listeners, right? They go to a Bible study and they listen. Uh, they sit in a church service and they listen, right? Uh, they go to a conference and they listen. Uh, they put on the earbuds and, and, and tap into a podcast and they listen. But, but there's a major league difference, right, between listening and actually doing, right? And James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says... He's like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. And Jesus in the upper room after washing the disciples' feet said the following, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you you do them. If you do them. You'll be blessed if you 
do them. You'll be less blessed if you read the Bible and begin to see who Jesus really is. Uh, you'll be blessed if you see your relationship really as an opportunity, not to make it all about you, but to make it all about them, right? You'll be blessed if you see your work not as just where you go, do the daily grind and go home, but you see it as your higher calling. And this morning, we're going to wrap up our series, uh, 2020 Vision, by talking about seeing your assets as belonging to him. Seeing your what? Seeing your assets as belonging to, to him. Asset is a useful or valuable thing, person, or quality. And the three assets I want us to keep in mind this morning, March 1st, 2020, as ultimately belonging to Jesus, those three assets are your time, your talent, or abilities or skills, and your treasure, your money, your resources, your stuff. Okay, let's do this. Seeing your assets as belonging to him. Don't be nervous. <laughs> be open. Be honest. And be ready for the word of God to speak. And the way I, I want to attack this conversation is by unpacking a parable uh, that Jesus told um, shortly before his betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. It's the middle of three parables that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. The parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, and the parable of the sheep and goats. And, and the point that Jesus is trying to drive home in all three of these parables, it's the same point, is that we need to be ready when he returns at the end of the ages. The parable is about the kingdom. And, and so Jesus like, since you cannot see the kingdom with your physical eyes, I need to tell you a story so you know what it's like. And in Matthew 25, verse 1, he says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And then he tells that first parable. And then in verse 14 is where he begins the parable we're going to look at today. And I would encourage you, even though it's going to pop up on the screen, to, you know, open up your Bible app. And, or if you have one of the old-time Bibles of paper, open up that and, and, and maybe highlight something right? As you're listening and later on this week, reflect on it and see what the Holy Spirit wants you to uh, meditate and think about. Matthew 25 verse 14 again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And it, the it refers to the kingdom, right? The man is obviously Jesus. The journey is that 40 days after Jesus his resurrection, right? He ascended and, and went back home to be with the Father. And the servants would be us who are in his kingdom. So this is about Jesus' followers, about Christians. And, and I really like that, that word there, that word entrusted. Entrusted. You, you know, we talk a lot about how we need to trust God, and we do. But have you ever thought about that, the fact that God trusts you, Right? I mean, this master called these servants in, right? And he entrusted his wealth to them. I mean, do you have any wealth, right? If you gave that wealth to someone to look after, it would be someone that you what? That you really trusted. Jesus trusts you. I think that's pretty cool. He trusts me. To one he gave five talents, another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Now, when we hear the word talent, at least outside of church, right? We tend to think of some 
innate or learned ability that a person has. However, the word translated talent in our parable is the Greek word teleton. In the first century, it's a Greek word. It was used for a measurement of weight, right? A weight of gold or silver that was used as money back in that day. In fact, it was not until the 1400s was the first time the word talent was used in a figurative sense to apply to someone's ability. Again, today we would think talent is ability. When we watch, we like to watch Americans got talent. We're not watching America's got a unit of weight, right? We're watching talent and see them do some pretty cool stuff. And so it's a measure of weight or measure of gold equal to 6,000 days wages, on a five-day work week, that would be 23 years. Uh, the average salary, according to payscale.com in Charlottesville today, is $58,000. And so the master who represents Jesus um, gives one guy $1,330,640, which is 23 years wages. Pretty good, right? He gives the second guy $2,666,280. Dollars, right? 46 years wages. And he gives to the last guy $6,693,200 or 115 years wages. That's pretty sweet, right? I take it. And, and don't miss this point. He gave to each according to his own ability, right? Like this master, he knows his servants, so he, he knows what each servant would be able to handle. He knows their abilities, and then he went on a journey, right? He's on a journey. He's not leaving forever, which implies that what? He's coming back. As a matter of fact, before he left, while wearing a leather jacket and sunglasses, he looked at his men and said, I'll be back, right? <laughs> First one to say that, I think. Anyhow, that was weak, but you're merciful. Uh, it goes on. At once the man who had received five talents went and put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, in other words, at once, the man who had two earned two more, and the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, it's been a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Came and settled accounts. And do you think they were expecting that this would happen when he came back? Yeah. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five talents more, and said, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. Look, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. Look, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So far, so good. Then the man who received the one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a difficult man. Reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't gathered seed. And I'm just saying that's probably not the best way to suck up to your boss right? Or, or the win friends and influence people. Like, if you like your job or want to keep your job, I recommend do not try that at work this week, right? It will not go so good. He continues, so I was afraid. 
And I went off and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. And that will cause this guy to hide his talent because he was, was afraid. You know, I wonder how, how much treasure is buried in the ground today because of fear. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Why then? You should have put my money on deposit with bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents, who has 6.6 million. Take his 1.3 and give it to the guy with 6.6. Whoever has will be given more and they'll have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you say, Steve, that's kind of harsh. And I say, I'm only reading <laughs> what's in the very Bible that you brought with you this morning. Uh, let's pray. Father, uh, open up our eyes and our ears to your truth this morning. God, we need you. We honor you. You're God. We're not. You're the master. We're the servant. And God, I know that you know each and every one of us better than we even know ourselves. And I know, God, that you're alive and that your word is alive and that there's something you want to say to each of us. And whatever that something is, I know the enemy does not want us to hear it, does not want me to hear it. But God, help us to listen to you. Holy Spirit, help us to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Here's all, I, I want to attack our conversation. I, I want to make some observations, look at some truths that we see in this parable. And, and, and then the second thing I want to do is to answer what I think is, you know, the ultimate question we need to answer in regard to this parable. All right? So first, some observations, some truths. And the first one is that everything you have is a gift from God. I understand, just like with the servants in Jesus' parable, you know, he entrusted his, his wealth to them. Everything, everything that you have is from God. James said, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I like this in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7. For who, who makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? If, in fact, you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? Oh, oh, oh you think you have what you have because of all your hard work and uh, your intellect? Question. Who was it that knit you in your mother's womb and, and gave you those skills and abilities? Who was it that chose the time and the place of your birth that allowed you to have all the opportunities that you have had to possess the things that you now possess. The earth, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, is the Lord's and all that is in it. Psalm 24, 1, the earth and everything in it. I think that would include us, right? <laughs> the world and its inhabitants, in case we didn't get it the first time, belong to who? Belong to the Lord. 
Uh, turn to a few people, look them in the eye and say, tell them, nothing belongs to you. Nothing belongs to you. And now say, so give it to Steve. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. You, you, like everything, your house, your car, your money, your time, your talents, your stuff, it all belongs to him. You are merely a steward. And the definition of steward, according to Steve's meaning of words.com, is this. <laughs> steward. A person who's been entrusted to take care of and look after someone else's stuff. If the word stuff or hay is in there, you know it's from me, right? That's what a steward is. Like everything's a gift from God. Everything. Raise your hand if you like to breathe. <laughs> okay, sweet. Did you know that you breathe 16 times every minute, 960 times every hour, that you will breathe, if, not counting exercise, right? Uh, 23,040 times every day. That every year you breathe 8,409,600 times. And that in your lifetime, if you live to be, average age is 79. Some of you are under, some of you are over, right? Uh, you'll, breathe, you'll take 664,358, 400 breaths in your lifetime. And every one of those breaths is a gift from God. Amen? Every one. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We should praise him, right? We should praise him with our breath. We should praise him for his goodness, for his greatness. We should praise him for his mercy, his kindness, his patience, his unfailing love. We should praise him for his son. We should praise him for the cross. We should praise him for his promises. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Amen? Now you're going to have trouble breathing, right? Because it's, when you think about, like blinking. Me and my older son have this deal, like I'll call him up sometime. Hey, are you blinking? Oh my gosh, now, I got, now I'm thinking about blinking. Now it's awkward to blink, right? Okay, now you're going to think, I can't blink, I can't breathe. My goodness. All right. Okay, here's a second observation in truth. Uh, we're all different. And that's okay. He gave to each one according to his own ability. Each servant was different, and they're given different gifts. They were not the same. And here's the point. It's okay to be you. In fact, it's more than okay. It is God's will for you to be you. Listen, God knew exactly what he was doing when he knit you in your mother's womb. He knew what he was doing when he coded your DNA. Uh, when he chose what your height would be. When he chose the color of your hair. And when God was finished, he stepped back and said, Man, that is good. Very good. We are all different, and that's a good thing. I mean, what a boring world it would be if every tree, every flower, every color, bird, mountain, animal, river, every sunrise, every sunset, every person were all exactly the same. And here's the deal. We have to get to the point in our life, and this is no minor issue, 
get to the point where we identify, cultivate, invest, prize, and enjoy the gifts and the life that God has given and entrusted to you. Now understand, the Lord of the gift is very wise. He knew exactly what he was doing when he created you. He's well pleased that you exist. And in Christ, he's given you everything that you need to accomplish and fulfill the purpose for which you were created. We're all different, and that's okay. They look at three people and say, hey, you're okay. <laughs> you're okay. You're okay. Seriously. I'm thinking about writing a book called I'm Okay, You're Okay. I don't know. I know that title's already taken. Uh, observation truth number three. Jesus is not here, but he's coming back one day to settle accounts with you. One day the sky will split open and Jesus will come back. Or one day your body will die and you will leave this earth and the final chapter of your story of what you have done with what God has given you will be written. And you'll find yourself standing before Jesus to give him an account of your stewardship, of how well you took care of and looked after his stuff. And listen, Jesus is going to settle up accounts with everyone. CEOs, politicians, movie stars, athletes, mothers, fathers, plumbers, teachers, pastors, accountants, rich, poor, young, old, me, and you. And on that day, Jesus is going to want to know what you did with what he gave you. He's going to want to know, what did you do with the time and the talents and the treasure that I entrusted to you? And he's not going to ask your boss, he's not going to ask your spouse, he's not going to ask your mom, he's not going to ask your dad, he's not going to ask your friends, he's going to ask you. So what did you do with what I gave you? And if this kind of makes you feel like you just opened your mailbox and got an envelope with these three letters on it, I-R-S, right? That's okay. Because <laughs> it should make us a little bit uncomfortable to think about it. Observation truth number four, Jesus does not expect more from you than he has given to you. Jesus does not expect more from you than he has given to you. And I don't know about you, I find that to be good news. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad that you know, Jesus and I said, hey, Steve, you know what? Uh, you're, a, you're a one or two talent guy, and I'm expecting five or ten talent results from you, right? You know, I know I didn't give you that much, but I'm going to expect a lot from you. That's not how God is. He does not expect more from you than he's given to you. And maybe some of you, I think, just need to cut yourself some slack. Get off your own back, all right? That's not what he expects from you. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared. God prepared you, right? God has given to you talents and abilities and times and opportunities that God prepared beforehand that we, that you should walk in them. So brothers and sisters, just be you. Just do you. And I think that's pretty freeing, in my opinion. Amen? Amen. Observation truth number five. When you use what you have in the way that he wants, you'll be excited to see him. Yeah, you know, I, I picture this guy pretty pumped when he says this. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's happy. 
Master, you entrusted me with five talents. Look, I've earned five more talents. You can kind of picture in your mind. Here's how I picture it. Like, you tell a small child to go clean their room, and, and they work really, really hard. And they've, they've really done a good job, and they go, and they call you upstairs, right? You know, and, and the door's closed. They're standing, they're standing in front of the door, and, and they go, Mom, Mom, look at my room now, right? Right? Look at my, look what I did. You told me to clean my room and, and look at it. That's how I picture this, right? He did his job well and he's excited. I love these words from this guy I never heard of till this week. Um, Albert Hubbard, um, an American writer and philosopher from the early 1900s. He said this, there is a wild, splendid, intoxicating joy that follows work well done. It's true, isn't it? I think this guy's happy. Uh, observation truth number six, Jesus finds great joy in rewarding you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You're faithful over many things. Few things, I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. I think he's pretty excited. Your room looks so good. You did an amazing job. I'm so proud of you. What a great job. Your room has never looked better. You know what? Let's go out and get some ice cream. You pick the place. You pick the size, right? Listen, Jesus really wants to reward you. And he wants to reward you with those six words we all want to hear, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. He wants to reward you by giving you more things. He wants to reward you by letting you enter and living his happiness. And he wants to reward you for doing what you could with what he gave you. Observation number seven, if you did not use what he gave you, when he comes, you'll immediately become aware of it. On that day, that you and everyone in this room who claims to follow Jesus, who stand and stand before the Holy One, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if we have not used our time, talents, and treasures the way he wanted to, nobody's going to have to tell us. We're going to know. We're going to feel it. And we're going to do what this guy did, right? We're going to make excuses. Right? I mean, we live in a world of excuses, don't we? And knowing personal responsibility, what is that? My alarm didn't go off. They make me so mad. I've been so busy. It's not my fault. Didn't have enough time. And this guy does the same thing. Uh, Master, if life had been so crazy and if you'd been more gracious, if you'd given me more talents, I would have used them. You didn't give me that much. Yeah, it's your fault. It's your fault that I didn't do what I was supposed to do. You know what the master doesn't say? He doesn't say, you know what, you're right. Uh, maybe I should have been clear. Maybe, maybe you misunderstood how, how things are. Maybe... You didn't realize that how you live your life doesn't really matter to me. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you know what? I see this has really made you uncomfortable. And my goodness, that's the last thing I want to do. My only purpose is to make your life comfortable. Let's bury the whole issue. He doesn't say that. And please lean in. This is so important for us because some people misunderstand the reality of God's grace. And they think that God's primary goal for, your, for our lives is just to make our lives comfortable, but it's not. 
The Lord of the gift is also the Lord of the settled account. Of the settled account. And therefore, on that day, there will not be one excuse that we could ever give that Jesus will find acceptable. Get it? Good. Observation truth number eight. You thought that one was fun. And this is Jesus. You take it up with him, right? <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. I wouldn't shoot Jesus either. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, Jesus will come down extremely hard if you fail to use what he gave you. You wicked, lazy servant. Throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those words in Scripture used to describe what place? Hell. Does that make anybody uncomfortable? You know, it's a master. He kind of lets us slur on this character, right? He doesn't try to defend his character, right? He just let, he lets that go. He doesn't say, wait a second, I'm really generous and loving and kind. Look at it. He doesn't do that. But what he does, he basically says, hey, you got this much right. <laughs> what you do with your life matters to me. And it matters to the world that desperately needs what I gave you. And it should have mattered to you too. Understand, every one of us bears appropriate personal responsibility for how we use what God is giving us, our time, our talents, and our treasure. In the story, the master brings everyone into account. And when Jesus returns, he'll do the same thing. And here's the deal. Jesus has no intention of settling for lukewarm or mediocrity. All of us will be held accountable for what he's entrusted to us. And this is a clear and unavoidable teaching of this story. And I get it. It, it does seem severe that the third servant is not, he's not judged for doing bad things, right? right? I mean, he didn't defraud, he didn't embezzle, he didn't steal. He just buried his gift. This aspect of the story is so hard for people to understand that actually in the second century, one scribe actually added to the parable that this third servant wasted his money in wild living, right? Because he's like, okay, I can't get my mind around this. This guy is only being called to the table because he did nothing. Didn't do anything wrong, but he didn't do anything right. Okay, that's the observations and you know, basically the sin this guy committed was a sin of unrealized potential. Anybody committing that sin today? And here's a question that we must answer. What things could keep you from being ready? And I'm assuming, I'm assuming that everyone here, that, that we want to be ready when he comes, right? I mean, because like, if the Bible we read is true, Jesus is coming back, right? Like, uh, raise your hand if you don't want to be ready when Jesus comes. Because <laughs> you can leave early, right? You know, you can get ahead of line at wherever you're going to eat, right? Um, I think we all want to be ready, right? And like I said earlier, this parable was intended for those in the kingdom, for Christians. Before I attempt to answer what things could keep us from being ready, using the parable, um, I, I would be amiss, and that's a word I don't use very often, but it's the first word that popped into my mind. The word amiss means out of order, mistaken, wrong, improper, faulty, inappropriate, and unfortunate. And so before I attempt to answer the question for us as believers, what could keep us from being ready? 
I would be amiss, I would be mistaken, I would be wrong. It would be out of order and proper and unfortunate for me not to mention that anyone who has never surrendered to Jesus or obeyed the gospel, that they're not ready when he comes. God's word, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. When the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, he'll come with his mighty angels in flame and fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God, on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They'll be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. I don't like that. I don't like that. I'd rather not talk about that. I'd rather talk about fun things. But it's true. The good news, if that's you right now, it doesn't have to stay you before you leave here. Amen? You can take care of this morning. Right? See, the good news of the gospel is that God loved you so much, he put on flesh, right? And he died a cruel death on the cross to pay the debt for your sins that separate you from him. He paid a debt he did not owe because you owed a debt that you could never pay. And so the question is, how do you get in on the deal that God made with himself at the cross? The deal that, hey, I will take as payment for the sins of the world, for sins of individuals, the death of my son. How do you get in on that deal? How do I, what do you do to obey the gospel? Well, you need to believe that Jesus is son of God, son of the living God and died for your sin. You need to believe that. Believe that it's true. You need to repent of your sins and living life as if you were the boss of your life and surrender and let him be in charge, right? Hey, you're the boss, not me. My will, your will, not mine. You need to confess that Jesus is Lord and you need to be baptized, immersed into the name of Jesus, right? That's what we see in the Bible. And the question is, have you obeyed the gospel? Belief, repent, confess, and being baptized. Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one in the name of Jesus. This is the Bible. This is Jesus' words, my words, not my words. For what? The forgiveness of your sins. That's a good deal. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. The water's always warm. If you've not done that yet, if, you're not, you know, if you believe in who Jesus is, you said, I want to be my boss, you confess him as Lord, but you've not yet surrendered to be baptized, it should be something you debate. This is just something you obey, right? You know, hey, Jesus told me to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, and if you haven't done it, what reason would you give Jesus, and do you think he'd be okay with it? You know, I don't think he would, right? Because he said do it, and I think it's always safe just to do what he tells us. Amen? That's good news, right? I'm glad my sins are forgiven. I'm glad that on December 30th, 1979, I walked forward in the church service in Orlando, Florida, First Christian Church, and Francis, brother, Pastor Francis Reed looked like an undertaker from a Western movie, had that little funky tie, slick back hair, you know, and a black suit, you know. I thought, he buried me, but not <laughs> in, in water. He did. It was awesome. Okay, so what things could keep you from being ready as a Jesus follower? Okay, lean in, buckle up. Procrastination. At once, 
The man received the five talents, went, put them to work, and earned five more. That word at once is the word euthus. When Jesus came out of the water, at once the Holy Spirit came on him. When the disciples saw Jesus, they immediately at once left their nets and they, and they followed him. And what I noticed this week is that the five talent, two talent guy, they did their things at once. But it doesn't say that about the one talent guy. And, and there's, a, there's a real danger in putting off, right? There's a real danger in hearing God's truth and not acting upon it. Because whenever you hear God's truth and you don't act upon it, you leave the seed of God's word just laying on the path, right? And the, and the devil could come by and snatch it up. You see, you need to strike when the iron is hot. And you know how to look that up too, right? <laughs> That's a blacksmith term, right? It, 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 and what that term basically means is that it means you need to strike a piece of iron, right, with a hammer or tool while it's still hot and still can be bent. Because once you let it cool down, you can hammer it all you want and you're not going to be able to shape it. And listen, if the iron is hot right now, right, because you felt the heat, right? The iron is hot right now that, hey, I, I need to use my time and my talents and my treasure for God. Don't let it cool down, right? Fill out a connection card and say, find me a place to serve. Flood that booth over there and say, you know what? I, I want to help. It takes about 70 people to pull off spring break camp, right? Strike while it's hot. You know, text to give, right? Whatever, whatever God has put on your heart. Go home and read your Bible. Strike when it's hot. And if you're thinking, you know what, I need to surrender to Christ. I have not been baptized yet, but you know what, Jesus told me to do it. I encourage you to do it. Strike while it's hot. Don't put things off. Because when it cools down and you, and you embrace procrastination, the enemy can snatch it up. And something else he does when we procrastinate, right, it gives us time to think. And when we think, one of the things the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to make an inaccurate gift assessment. Right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure that, that the one talent guy was pretty happy at first, right? Let's call him one talent Owen, right? And, and he's pretty happy, pretty content. And then he runs into his friend, two talent Tony. He goes, Dude, Tony, man, what a great day. How you doing? I can't believe it. The master gave me 1.3 million. And Tony goes, oh, he gave me 2.6. What? You got 2.6? And then he walks down the road, and there's five-talent Frankie. <laughs> the master gave you what? 6.6 million? Right? Comparison. Like, I mean, you were feeling pretty good about your vacation to Va Beach until you found out your friends were in Europe for a month. <laughs> Right? You're feeling good. Too. See, I think gift comparison is a major cause for people not using the gifts that God has given them. Listen, God doesn't expect more from you than he's put into you. I struggle with that. I don't know about you. Right? You know? Listen, when I get to heaven, God's not going to ask me, why weren't you more like this person, this pastor on Facebook that makes you feel bad about your life? <laughs> he's not going to do that. You can say, why weren't you more like Steve? Why weren't you more Steve? Why weren't you more like you? 
All I ever wanted you to be was Steve. All I ever wanted you to be was you. I, I didn't put this load on you. I don't want you to do more than I put into you. And it's frustrating and pointless and futile to try to live somebody else's life. Amen? And so when the devil starts in your mind, right? Look what they're doing. Look at the size of their church, Steve. They wrote five books, Steve. <laughs> they speak at conferences, Steve. Look how many followers they have, Steve. They got 6.6 .6 million. When the devil starts you, I just say, hey, I still got a million three, sucker. <laughs> it's still a million three, right? You still got a million three. That, that's nothing to sneeze at, amen? I mean, just be you, right? Just be you. God's not concerned about what you can't do. He's concerned about what you can do. What you can do, he's already empowered you to do. Amen? Now, a third thing that can keep us, right, from being ready, besides inaccurate gift assessment, um, this would be being afraid. Some people are just afraid, right? We're afraid if we use our gifts and talents, that will, that will mess up. That God will be mad at us. That we'll mishandle it. Let me let you in a little, let me let you in a little secret. It is possible to mess up. <laughs> it's possible to mishandle your talent. But listen, God is less concerned with you messing up than he is with you giving up. Right? That's what it, he's not worried about you messing up. He knows you're going to mess up. He just doesn't want you to give up, right? He wants you to try. And if this guy would have just tried, just a little, right? If he would have just put the money, right, in a bank, he got some interest. If he, he'd have to try a lot if he just tried some. If he just put forth some effort. And, and here, here's something else I think that gets in the way is an incorrect view of God. This guy, view of God was a guy that's mean, hard to deal with, right? Wasn't true, and you know, Jesus conceded in the parable, conceded a point to make a point. It wasn't true. But I think an incorrect view of God can help us to not be ready. And I, and I don't think, I think our incorrect view that most of us struggle with in, in the Christian world today, especially in our country, is not that God is mean and harsh. It's that, oh, he's so gracious. And like, really? Is God going to be that upset with me if I don't use what he gave me? He's a good God, right? He's a loving God. And so it's really not a big deal. Yeah, I know, I know I should. <laughs> I, I know I, I should use my time and talents for him. I know I should, but hey, amazing grease, how sweet the sound, <laughs> right? I think we've got an incorrect view of God and think it, doesn't, it does matter to him. I mean, Jesus, right, some of his final words, right? Deathbed words almost, right? Jesus says, hey, it matters. It matters that you use what I entrusted to you. See, God has entrusted you with his stuff, his assets, so that you can do his work, carry on his mission, build his kingdom, tell the good news to the poor, announce freedom for the prisoners, give sight to the blind, feed those who are hungry, free those who are captives, help those who are hurting, make his name famous, and bring lost people to salvation. And we all get different amounts, right? But no matter what we have in regards to time, talent, and treasure, it's all 
for him, right? It's all for his glory and his mission to advance his kingdom. And God says, yeah, use those talents and abilities and opportunities. Use them to provide for your family. Use them to enjoy your life. But my goodness, make sure you use them most fervently for my kingdom. I'm counting on you. I'm entrusting this to you. And I'm coming back. Now, now what if, you know, I, I don't know this, so don't, you know, but what if we knew for sure that Jesus was returning this Wednesday? You get a text before you leave church today with your appointment. Uh, uh, BBS Starbucks for your divine audit, God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this Wednesday. Like, how would you feel? Bring on the audit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm ready. Or would you be like that kid? Uh, uh, not yet, Mom. <laughs> that, I know you told me to clean the room like three hours ago, but I saw the dog. And there was a puzzle on the ground. <laughs> I just didn't get to it yet. Right? I think that's where many of us would be, right? Like, hey, can I have a little bit more time? I haven't really used my time for you and your kingdom like I should. I keep telling myself I don't have time to read the Bible, but I seem to have time to watch TV, be on Facebook and social media and whatever, but, you know, I don't have time. If you drive in a car, a lot of us do that. Um, If you have a smartphone, a lot of us have those. Know what you can do in your car? You can put on the Bible app and have have the Bible play while you're, going down the road, right? You know, while you're walking the dog, while you're cleaning your house, while you're washing your car, right? You know, and, and so you have an opportunity to get ready. And I would just encourage us. And what if God said, you know what? Maple Grove, you guys are pretty awesome. I like you. We're going to move the audit to Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. I look it up. It is a Wednesday. You know, and with that in mind, I, I just would encourage you guys, encourage myself to strike when the iron's hot. Yeah, strike when it's hot. Because you know who I want to be? When he comes back, I don't want to be like, here's what I did. I want to go, look at my room, God. Look what I did. I made my bed. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I know there's some stuff under there, but it looks good. Yeah, but I want to say, look, look, God, God you gave me the stuff, and I, I used them for you. I used my time the best as I could for you. I took the talents I had, and I stopped comparing. I just was me, and I did what I could, right? And I took my treasure, and, and I used my treasure to build your kingdom, to make your church stronger so your kingdom could advance and people could be saved, right? And today's an opportunity, Right? And I'll close with this thought here. Um, you know, a long time ago, you know, before they really had nice harbors, when a ship was going to sail into port, you know, they had to wait for the tide to come in, right? So they could go in. And it was called Aporto, in the port, right? It's Latin, and I probably said it wrong. If I can't say English right, I can't say Latin, right? When I say Greek, you think I'm saying it right? I'm probably not, 
but that's just how it is. But anyhow, it's Latin for into port. And so they waited, right? I mean, the captain and crew waited for that moment because they knew that if we miss this moment, when the tide's coming in, we're going to have to wait. And maybe we won't get another moment, right? And see, this God has given you a moment right now, right? Yeah, a moment right now and the strike when the iron's hot and say, you know what, God? I'm going to do the best that I can with what you've given me for your honor and for your glory. Amen? Let's pray. God, we love you. Oh, God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, God, that the audit did not happen this week because I wouldn't have done so good. God, forgive me for gift comparison. Uh, That's no excuse for not using what you gave me. I'm sorry. And God, help me, Lord, to use my time for you, my treasure for you. Help everyone in this room to be excited, to go home this week, to start right now, Lord, to, to clean that room so we can, with a smile on our face, say, hey, we're ready. Come see. And God, I pray for anyone in this room who's yet to surrender to you, who's wondering about their walk with you. God, I pray they know they can talk to me Now they can talk to me after service. They can contact me throughout the week. God, you love them. And no one needs to leave here today not right with you. In Jesus' name, amen.